Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 27. Now, logistics dictate that I'm recording this in a hotel bathroom, so please excuse the echo and the rather irritating fan in the background, and we'll get on with the story. Simon is a young man living in Edinburgh. He has exceptional powers to predict the future, a future which is inextricably linked to the exploits of a terrifying serial killer. Simon is forced not only to battle the killer, but his own demons, and a government agency that has decided he is too dangerous to be allowed to roam free. This is the premise of Dark Sense, a full-length movie shot on location in Edinburgh by film director Magnus Wake, who brought the project to life from scratch after both he and his wife were deeply impressed by reading a novel by Peter Flannery. In this episode of the podcast, Magnus beautifully explains the ups and downs of creating such an ambitious project and, with three more films in the pipeline, explains what is next for this Edinburgh-based screen impresario. Magnus Wake, you've done something quite extraordinary. You have a background in film and video, but you don't have a huge team behind you, not got pots of money lying around all over the place. And yet, a few years ago, you decided you were going to make a full-length feature film, a big movie, a big screen movie, um, and you've actually achieved that. You've gone through the whole process, you've raised all the money, you've got all the talent on board, and you've released the film. I've seen it. It's fantastic. It's a really dark thriller shot on location in Edinburgh. You're negotiating rights around the world now. It's available uh, on DVD and, and, and live streaming. Um, tell us how the idea all started. Where did you first get that sort of little glimpse of inspiration that you wanted to do this? Well, I suppose I'd always wanted to do a film. Um, and part of that is always looking for what's the right idea, what's the right story to tell. And good stories aren't so easy to come by, as you would think. Um, the, uh, and so... Uh, I was reading an awful lot of stuff on the Kindle. Um, I, I kind of read late at night in bed, and because it loom, self-illuminates itself, I don't get into trouble um, by reading in bed at night. Um, and um, I read a book by an author called Peter Flannery, uh, and it's called First and Only. Uh, and it just really captured my imagination. I loved the two main characters in it. They were, you know, they were sparky and witty, uh, and it was just a really good thriller story. Um, so I tweeted the author and said, uh, loved the book uh, has anybody got the film rights and he tweeted back saying ho ho maybe one day uh, and then I completely forgot about it uh, we, uh, we had another child and that took up a lot of time and then my wife picked up uh, the Kindle and read it over uh, on holiday and she just said I've just read this great book it should be a film and it was like I know the one you're talking about so we, we sorted out the, the, the rights for that and um, in in a sense, I I've got I've been doing brand films and commercials and some broadcast stuff and some corporate stuff for years, and I've always enjoyed that because you learn about the world by doing those things. Um, but uh, I had never um, found something where it really uh, engaged with me in the same way, uh, and it also um, I had the experience of all that background, so I knew technically how to 
place the camera in the right place, how to direct actors and how to do that aspect of it. But where do you get the money? Mm. How do you raise the finance um, uh, to make a film? Uh, And so... um, crowdfunding was just coming in in a big way so we went right let's raise some money on crowdfunding Um, and the author came on board with that idea and we assembled a wee team to help with the marketing of it Uh, and we put some money into the marketing of it because that was an important aspect as well just to let people know that we were doing it Um, and we managed to raise just over £54,000 which was fantastic and uh, meant that we could uh, start the development process but even even the crowdfunding people think right well that's a relatively easy thing but you have to keep your backers satisfied Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've been doing that for years now trying to make sure we keep them engaged and keep them in in, and with the knowledge that something is still happening with the film and also gives a responsibility to you in a in a way that you don't necessarily feel just with starting a company of course you've got a responsibility because you're trying to make it work you're trying to be successful mm. but you've already said to people they're going to get a dvd you've already taken you know some people put a thousand pounds into the into the uh, crowdfunding other people put you know 250 pounds but when somebody does that for you and it's a friend you kind of go oh my goodness i i've really got to make sure this delivers and so there's quite a lot of pressure in your own self to make sure it happens uh, so crowdfunding, although it, it really helped us get started, it is a big pressure. It's a it's a hard thing to do successfully. Um, so, so, so when you, so you've, this was back in two thousand and fourteen. Fourteen. So it's been sort of a five year uh, journey since then to get everything together. So over that that time, how has it panned out, and what's it like in that kind of role? Because presumably. A relatively small part of what you've been doing over that time has been creative and yeah, it's, it's running a, a business and it's it's trying to raise the money and keep every all the stakeholders happy. Is that how? That's it? right. You, there, there's a, a lot of that, and I mean anybody that you has used Mailchimp and various things, tools like that. They're very good tools, but you know if you're putting together a newsletter, it'll take your whole day to put a newsletter together and make sure it's going out to the right people. And that's just a newsletter. When you're actually starting to say, right, well, I've, we've got to send out, uh, say, codes for access to the online system. Well, in that case, we've got to go through all the perks, sort them all out. Now, I could pay for a service for people to help me do that, but then that's money going out the door and it's not mm. being spent on the film. So you kind of, you do as much of you can, as you can off your own back. But there isn't a, a big, there isn't a group of people behind doing that. There's myself uh, who produced and directed it and then I've got a co-producer Simone who's been fantastic at supporting me and I wouldn't have been able to do it if she hadn't been there to to work with me through the entire project and she's given up a huge amount to just be to to help with the the film so it's um so it's not just me there's people in the background as well uh, who will support me in various different ways but most of the time you're kind of sending out these emails by yourself you're pushing the pr by yourself there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot that you're doing and you have to stay motivated for it so uh, so yeah so, so you got the money through from from kickstarter it was at 54000 pounds yeah so, we, so so from that point for a, for a lay person what 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 is the magnus wake 
sort of step-by-step guide to making a, big making a big film. Well, when we when we first did the crowdfunding, we went, let's go for a million on crowdfunding. And then somebody said, uh, no, you can't do that. You're just never going to okay. Um, so we went, right, we'll go for half a million. Then we're never going to hit that. <laughs> and then we went, 100,000, we're not going to hit that. So we ended up at 50,000 and we hit that, which was fantastic. Um, but then... Um, um, you can't make a feature film for £50,000. So we had to um, uh, prove that we could make feature film quality. So we had to shoot um, something. So we shot a short which was like the first five minutes of the of the final film. It isn't quite that, but anyway. It was the first five minutes of the final film. So we used the crowdfunding money to develop the script with a scriptwriter. We uh, uh, then shot the first five minutes of that. Uh, and started to show that around to raise equity. Now, to shoot the short cost money, so that's spending money, to get a script developed, so spending money. So um, we then managed to raise £70,000, and I was very fortunate to have uh, friends and family that were, again, very supportive in, in raising that equity. But we, we, went, we went to Creative Scotland as well, and they said, well, it's your first feature, so we can't really help you. And there weren't, there weren't any programmes at that point in time to... Uh, allow us support with that um, and I think that uh, was frustrating because we you know we'd raised 50,000 and to turn, go to Creative Scotland and say is there anything you can do to support us and it was just like no we can't uh, but there, there's nothing there's nothing in our infrastructure that allows us to do that so I'm not having a go at the individuals but the but the more the organization and there, there was frustration all the way through with that um, so we had um, roughly just over a hundred thousand in the bank and it was like well do we do this now or do we keep trying to raise money and we've been you know we We'd been out to various film markets to raise money through the industry, and again, you're just getting hit by a wall which says, well, you've never done anything before. I think one of the most depressing things I remember hearing was we were in Cannes at a... uh, Apart from the film festival in Cannes, you've got the film market in Cannes, where there's a huge number of producers that are just selling their films. And you go around this place where there's posters for all these films, um, and none of the films exist yet. They've not been shot. They're just looking for people to say, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, and uh, so it's a very crazy place. But um, I went to one talk, which had a very experienced filmmaker, and he said, and we basically said, you know, you've got a real advantage when you're making your first film, because it's your first film, and people like to discover the new. The really hard thing is to make your second film. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's right. kind of depressing. <laughs> so it's going to be worse than this for the second one. Um, uh, so uh, we basically went, right, well, that that hundred grand is going to gradually disappear on accounting fees and things like that. It will just start to fritter away automatically by having a business set up. Um, and so uh, we went, right, well, let's just do it. And we'd, we'd seen other people go and try and make a feature for 100,000. We just thought, that's just ridiculous. Um, and I was very, uh, very lucky that some people were happy to work with some deferred payments and things like that. So even though our budget is technically probably for shooting it was about 100,000, you know, there's other money there that we still want to pay out in the future. But the, but the, um, so we, basically brought in a core team, and this was in 2016 going into 2017, we brought in a core team uh, of a, a very tight unit in this very room that we're speaking in just now um, and had five of us in here with desks and all the rest of it. Um, and 
they helped produce the film, so they did costumes, production management, coordination, and all the rest of it. We had our casting director um, who helped with the casting side of it, um, and Simone was down here every day uh, working. And um, that core team did an excellent job. They really worked their socks off, and um, it shows what you know a small team can do. And of course, then we started filming as well, and that uh, core team expanded up by another. 12 13 people so by the time we were filming we had you know on a daily basis we had about 17 people as a core group of people uh, working on the feature film and we we shot in this house we shot uh, out and about around Edinburgh in St Andrew's house and uh, and on the streets and down in Leith as well um, and in the kind of Prince Street area as well so we, we shot across Edinburgh um, and out at uh, North Queen's Ferry as well um, just at the bridges there um, so we, we, we tell us a bit about the story as well okay so this is <laughs> a good point so the film's called Dark Sense I don't think we've mentioned that yet um, uh, and it's uh, basically about a young man who can uh, see into the future he's got psychic abilities uh, and he's connected to a serial killer uh, who's killing in the city. So um, he knows he's got to try and take on this serial killer and try and stop him. But he also knows, as a result of his powers, that he'll die in the process if he tries to stop him. Uh, so that's kind of the, the twist with the story. Um, and so over the course of four days, he basically uh, tries to stop uh, the serial killer. And he's assisted by an ex-soldier who's a kind of a rough diamond, if you like. Uh, uh, and that, I think that's part of the part of the process was trying to make sure that the in the in the adaptation process that we uh, stayed true to uh, the book recommended viewing terrifying in, in places and uh, had me on the edge of my seat and beautifully shot in in edinburgh as well where are you now with the film and it's, it's out there people can see it what's what's been happening so the film is now out in the u.s uh, which is fantastic and it's getting reviews online which is lovely we've now got it into the uk it's on amazon prime and it's on vimeo Vimeo is by far the best place to watch it because we've got lots of lovely extras on it. Um, uh, and now we're trying to get it into other countries as well. The UK is funny because it's kind of got a bit of an Amazon Netflix bubble, whereas the rest of the world is much more Apple, iTunes, and that side of things. So we're getting it into the Apple kind of sphere as well. So hopefully that will allow us to get some money back in the door again from those uh, channels as well but I mean we've had we've had a really good festival circuit as well we've managed to get into I think six or seven film festivals one of them was Fright Fest you said it's kind of scary um, I, it's, it's funny people that are really into their horror go there's not enough blood and guts <laughs> and that's because I kept away from doing that it also mm. takes up time when you're on set so it actually slows you down when you're filming uh, uh, so yeah so real horror fans will go it's really not a horror film People who aren't horror fans go, oh, it's a bit scary. Uh, <laughs> and I suppose it is, and it's one of those things when you're making it, you don't, you see it because you, of, uh, with the technicalities of what you're doing. And sometimes you do have to sit back and go, right, well, how will people respond? I do remember watching bits when, when uh, one character's leg's getting hit by a beam of metal, <laughs> which sounds far worse than it actually is, honestly. <laughs> um, but I remember when I did that, did, did that and added the sound effects of a crunch onto it the first time, I was literally sitting, there, sitting with my face kind of screwed up going, oh, dear. Um, but now I've seen that a million times and it has no effect on me whatsoever. Um, and I mean, I think one of the 
And there's another bit which is that it sounds far as it actually is, but somebody uh, is getting their legs burnt with acid. (laughs) 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 Um, And, of course, that acid sound effect. um, It's like I was uh, Googling around going for sound effects for where do you get that kind of hiss now I don't know if it actually does hiss or not but you kind of your, your perception is it would make a hissing sound so um, and then I found some blog saying oh the best way to do it is to throw water at a hot iron so we pointed a microphone at hot iron and I think uh, my wee boy who was four at the time threw oh, water so he's behind so he's a fully artist for the film yeah so literally when you're hearing that that acid burn actually it's a four year old throwing water at a hot iron you know it makes it a little bit easier to yeah, it makes it a bit easier to process yeah 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 um, I was lucky to see it on, on the big screen at the Dominion in Edinburgh is there any do you think there'll be any further opportunities for I'd love it to be seen on more big screens the reality is we haven't got the marketing spend to be able to do it um, it costs, you know, to actually uh, advertise. You talk about spending in the region of twenty thousand, say, in Edinburgh, and then you actually have to put the money up for the cinema for us for for a film like us. We then have to book the cinema as well, <laughs> and so you know, your your outlay of co- costs could be in the region of say thirty thousand pounds. Mm. Um, and we just don't have that <laughs> um, uh, which is frustrating because the film does work really well on a big screen mm. um, and uh, you kind of want to do it justice when you've spent all this time putting it together but uh, we have had those screenings and the Dominion was a fantastic screening we kind of sold out two screenings of it um, and we have been at Fright Fest and various other places as well so um, it's great that the film has been seen we had our Scottish premiere at the Celtic Media Festival up in Aviemore so we've been, it's been around Scotland a little bit um, but it's it's a real challenge to get people to hear about the film. I was in Glasgow the other night and you're just walking around Glasgow going practically nobody in Glasgow will have heard of Dark Sense and that's frustrating Mm. you kind of uh, I wish I did have the pockets to, to do that and one of the things they do say when you're making a feature film is um, you you should try and keep at least a third of the money that you've got in the budget to um to market the film with and that's all well and good but we <laughs> we only we didn't really have enough money to make the film in the first place so um so that's just a frustration it kind of it is what it is um and that's the it, thing it, you it get seems strange though that you, you've gone to all this effort you, you're creating something which will be seen globally it's actually showcasing edinburgh in a, in a beautiful way yeah it seems odd that there's not the you know, Creative Scotland or whoever it may be, isn't getting behind these sort of projects and publicising them just for awareness? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think there's a lot of the... There is... thing. If, if this was a social justice film of some sort, um, then uh, I think we could get support from Creative Scotland to get some um, uh, money to help pay for screenings or the marketing of those screenings. We'd be able to do that. But because of the way it's all written, because it's a it's an it's a piece of entertainment, it's much harder to get get them to come on board with that. And I think also the the a lot of the funding process for the going through those channels is um, based on success. Now I don't agree. Don't sorry. I don't disagree that things should be successful at all. I think that's very important. But the reality is, it's an art form. It happens to probably be one of the most expensive art forms because it involves music, it involves uh, costume, it involves prop design. All these elements would normally 
with one person working on a piece of sculpture would just be one person working on a piece mm-hmm. of sculpture. But a film involves all these different types of um, uh, processes. Uh, so it's very, very costly. And of course, you know, for Sony, for Marvel, for, for all these big studios, they don't know what films are going to be successful. So um, for Creative Scotland to then be saying, well, we think this film will be successful, therefore we'll put our money into it. So a lot of the money goes to uh, big films that are already getting produced by big studios. Um, And it's much harder for smaller films to access. It's not impossible, but it's much harder to do. Um, And they are looking for you to provide... uh, uh, to to almost prove that it's going to be a guaranteed success, hmm. and that's practically impossible to do. Um, and so they tend to come in last rather than first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember going to meet investors down in London, and we um, uh, going for, uh, for 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 equity, um, and they said, "Oh, it sounds like an amazing project. Um, ha- have you got any money uh, from the Scottish Arts Council? They didn't know who it was, what it was called. And we went, no, they, w- they won't come in at this stage. They're much likely to come in. And they went, oh, well, that's a shame. Because we'll come in, but we'd only come in after. If- right. And so you, you, th- a little bit of seed funding from a body like Creative Scotland, you know, if, if they put a million pounds in across ten feature films, five of them will fail. Hmm. Five of them will be successful. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about maybe 100,000 for each one of those. And basically, a producer will be able to multiply that up with other investors because as soon as you've got 100,000, it's a shared responsibility and other funders will come in and go, yeah, no, we can understand that. Uh, but because they come in last, you're, you're, hmm. you're, you're, you're fighting a battle that's even harder to win. Uh, and that's for frustration. It's, they, they've got to come in much sooner. and. Right. They've got to be more inclined to take risks, the same way you would take risks with an artist without seeing what the finished piece of art is going to be. You've got to be doing that with film as well. So that's that's <laughs> that's my little bit that's of... One, uh, that's one of your sort of key conclusions. That, that, yeah, that is one of my, I suppose, my key conclusions with it. Is, and, and, and of course, it's public money, so pe- people expect it to be justified. Um, um, but once you've given the money to the arts, if that's what you're doing, you have to make that money work in the best way it mm, possibly mm, can. Yeah. And I think that's a much stronger way of making it work. Yeah. Are there any other sort of key things that you've learned that you didn't know five years ago when you embarked on this? Um, any big, broad brushstrokes? There's a, there's a million and one things I've learned and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to second guess what I've decided and and what what we could have done differently. And it's very hard to say specifically you would have done anything differently because you would have been in the same place you were before <laughs> with only limited <laughs> options of what you could do. Um, I think um, we... I don't know what we could have done differently. I don't know if there is really anything. Mm. I have learned a lot. It's not to say I haven't learned anything. I think it, it, it's it's a, been an enjoyable process because you... You are learning things. I think it would be nice to um, do it from more within a, a, a structured company. What we're now doing is we're, we're, we've got a company called Encaptivate Films. Um, and the idea behind that company is we will do some commercial-based stuff um, because I've got various contacts and people come directly to me for doing brand films and various things. Um, so it will handle that, but it also allows to develop drama as well. Um, and so if you like, um, profit from the, the commercial side of it 
will go into the drama development side of it because the drama development is a much more longer process. Mm. Uh, so that's how we, I think we're going to, to look to develop it is, is use that company to help us develop more projects. And we've got three features that are now in development. Uh, so what is going to be the, the even harder second what film? It's going to be the even to. harder second, yeah. third and fourth film. <laughs> 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 um, but, um, are you, you able to tell us? Uh, one, one of them is another adaptation of a book called Her Last Lie. So uh, that's just literally in the early development stages. Um, and another one is... Uh, 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 a telling of a Scottish story about the sinking of the Isle of uh, off Lewis uh, at the end of World War One, which is a very tragic, horrific story, but it's had a lasting impact uh, on the community there, and it's a story that Scotland should know about, and it should be part of our consciousness, if you like. Um, and so, so this was a, a boat that went down with with uh, just over two hundred yeah. uh, soldiers and sailors on board, uh, who are basically returning from the front. Uh, and they were 200 feet off shore and never made it, you know, so a handful managed to get off. Um, so, uh, and that had, you know, it could be argued a much more lasting impact on the island than the Highland clearances because you just had a generation of young men that just weren't there anymore. And so, you know, wives didn't have their husbands, there weren't men to marry, you know, they, it, uh, and and children didn't have that figure in their lives, you know. So it's it, we're, it's, it's, it's an important story. We've got, I think we've got a, a really interesting approach on it. Uh, and it's we're going to be very sensitive to the story as well, um, and so the and then the other uh, the other one is a zombie film which I just think would be a lot of fun, <laughs> and it, cause you need a little bit of lightheartedness as well in that mix of, of of a serious thriller and a tragic story to have 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 zombies as well. So uh, that will be an entirely different proposition. But um, but you can do anything you want with a zombie film. <laughs> you know there 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 are no real rules. You know you can you can break everything if you want to. So. so are you going to address all three simultaneously, or is it a question of after a certain point you'll think, well, this is the one we're going to focus on purely? Um, I think you ne- you never know which one will hit first. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, all three might land at the same time and go, yes, we we've, we people are excited by these, um, or one of them might be the leader on it. So uh, you just don't know. And of course, once you've got a leader, you'll put more energy into that one because it needs the energy. But um, I mean, I think all three of them are really great uh films that should get made um and we're now i'm also now processing do you know with one of them it could easily be a series rather than a film so mm-hmm. you're, you're also now with with box deals or or the online streaming services you're now very much going right well can can yeah, we go down this yeah, other yeah, route yeah. um but i mean I, i'm also keen for the company to be commercially successful which means um I mean, a lot of the ideas and the stories that I hear about have come from when I've been doing more of the corporate side of the business because you learn about... I mean, I love doing whiskey films. I've Mm. done lots of whiskey films. And uh, so I've got various concepts around whiskey stuff as well um, that I'd like to do more of. um, And uh, I'm fond of a a wee dram as well. So that that suits me as well. So if I can... um, So if we can do more commercially-based stuff as well, that would be great. I mean... uh, I, it's it's one of those difficult things where it's like you know we we've in the past had various conversations about how do you sell a company how do you sell yourself um and i think i suppose i'm not very good at going out and selling myself um and or selling the company and i think part of that is because 
you know, I, I just believe if you're good at what you do, you kind of organically sell yourself, and that's almost the best way. It's like that word of mouth thing, you know. And I think that's what we need for um, Dark Sense, word of mouth in Scotland, to go, yes, we should see this. It's a great Scottish film. Um, and so we need uh, word of mouth. So everybody listening, go and, go and watch, uh, watch Dark Sense on Vimeo. By far the best way to watch it. Uh, but it is there on Amazon as well. Um, um, uh, and uh, write us up a review. You know, it's one of these things, word of mouth makes a big deal for us. And I think that will be true for the business side of things as well. Uh, and how are you going to approach funding for the, these new projects now? It, it, would you go back to crowdfunding or is there is it going to be easier to get investors on board now that you've proved what you can do with Darksense? Each of those three films has got a different funding route for various reasons. One is more likely to be a co-production, which involves money from other countries. One is a very uh, Scottish uh, identity film. So that will more likely find public funding. Uh, and the third one, which is the zombie one, is much more likely to be more of a crowdfunding-based idea, although because zombie films tend to be very well supported in terms of the audience following for those sorts of films, I think that um, we could do that as a crowdfunding plus um, uh, get some money out of the marketplace as well. So there's 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 different options there, I think. Um, and uh, so each one of those will be different routes. And and that's the thing about film, you know, there, there isn't one tick box mm. for going right. Well, we can now work through this list of how we're going to fund this film. There there's, tends to be different routes for everything. Um, and you know, for for one of these other pieces, you might get a Netflix hearing about it and picking up the phone and saying, "We'll buy it. Uh, just go and make it." And right. that's another way that it can happen. So um, you you've got no way of knowing. You've got mm. no way of knowing. You just have to keep talking about what you're doing and. Um, and 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 seeing seeing what interest there is out there for it. Yeah. So where did this, this this passion for filmmaking come from? I mean, you know, as a little boy, you're running around pretending to be making films and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the various things I did, yeah. yes. Uh, I it, of course, days before smartphones, and so making a film wasn't so easy. I mean, I remember it's like being. Uh, there was almost like a plastic projector I must have got given at Christmas once. Which had like I think it had like one scene from the Hundred and One Dalmatians in it, and it just slotted into the back of one of these plastic toy projectors. And I remember playing with that and watching it again and again and again. And I remember uh, doing a black and white pinhole photography with a cardboard box, doing pinhole photography, and then uh, doing. Um, my grandfather was always into his films, and uh, is it even here? No, it's probably been taken actually. Now, my youngest grabbed it the other day, but his, it's all, his old 9.5mm camera that he used to shoot family films on. Um, and so I remember um, filming something on a VHS camera with my grandmother, finding a £1 note lying on the ground and pocketing it and denying any knowledge of it when somebody <laughs> trying to grab it, find it later. Um, uh, and so I remember just doing that as a kid. I, I always had a kind of... I, I always engaged with either photography or, or, or Maybe, telling, telling little stories. Little, uh, brief piece of your grandfather's film at the beginning of Dark Sense. That's right, yes. Yeah, on, so, the, on the credits. So in the credits you get the Encaptivate Films uh, logo come up and there's two bits of footage on, uh, built into that. There's one which is uh, filmed with a drone with my family going up to some standing stones which is in the letters and you really have to know that to actually be able to see it because it's so subtle um, but the other one in the exclamation mark has got my grandmother and my grandfather swinging uh, kids around and that's like probably one of the early pe- earliest pieces of family film that we have um, so it was quite nice to be able to connect that all mm. in as a, as a 
as a thing for the film. So did you go straight into into film video after you know leaving school, college, etc.? Yes, well, I um, when I was in uh, fifth year at school... Um, where, did, where did you grow up? So I was uh, Edinburgh, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's more a case of which school didn't I go to in Edinburgh. Uh, so I was at Storff, and then I was at Daniel Stewart's, then I was at Craig Merritt, then I was at Gillespie's. Uh, had a horrendous time at Gillespie's at the time. It wasn't great. Uh, uh, it was just bullying and casuals and stuff like that. So uh, I, I'm sure it's much different now, but it was appalling at the time. Uh, and then I went to Morrison's and became a boarding school pupil at Morrison's. So, yeah, so I bounced around a fair few schools. And then and, and at Morrison's, um, in my fifth year, I did art. And I always enjoyed doing art as well. I wasn't really very good at painting or drawing, but I always really enjoyed it as a subject. Um and I started uh, skipping art classes, and of course that's not really something you do in a private school, but actually the art teacher was aware of what I was doing, and I was going down to the janitors who had a video camera, so I was actually able to uh, start filming around the school and doing little bits. So I've got some footage of Morrison's Academy from the 90s, which is probably fairly unique, uh, and from boarding school life as well. Those boarding schools have now uh, the actual... Houses have now closed down. So, I mean, I've, I, yes, I've always had a kind of an interest in filmmaking. And so I, I remember going to see the deputy director uh, at the school and him saying, right, so are you going to stay on for a six-year? And it was just like, well, I really like filmmaking. And he went, oh, well, we don't really do that here. <laughs> I went, well, that might be the end of that conversation. He went, yes, I think that might be the end of that conversation. It was just like... Okay, so at that point I went off to college um, back in Edinburgh at Stevenson for a foundation degree course, which was excellent. I had a great photography setup and a, uh, um, a relatively good filmmaking setup. And then I went down to Surrey Institute of Art and Design, uh, did one year, thought it didn't think much of the course. Uh, some of the people there were great, but didn't think much of the course. And then in the summer I was um, up in Edinburgh helping with fringe shows backstage, which was great fun, loved doing that. Um, and uh, I got I bumped into somebody who was the head of production at a corporate video production company. So I ended up joining them and was there for like uh, fifteen well, years. That was speakeasy. That was speakeasy. Yeah, That's yeah. where I kind of cut my teeth as a yeah. kind of uh, production assistant. I was a runner to start with, but I wasn't very good at making the tea. Uh, I kept just diluting down whatever was wrong with the tea with more milk and then heating up in the microwave a bit more. And eventually, people decided they didn't like my tea, so I got I gradually rose up the ranks through that route. So there's a recommendation: be bad at making tea, and you'll go up faster. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so and then. Uh, joined a commercials production company Greenroom Films and they were very supportive when I was making the feature film actually we borrowed a red camera from them for a few days and also they let me disappear off for a month and a half to make the film uh, while I was still officially working full time so I was officially still full time with them so I mean I got a lot of flexibility and but it got to the point where I was going guys this isn't isn't fair and I can't focus enough on what Mm. you need to be doing so um, I now freelance direct and and so I'll get brought in by production companies to work on commercials um, and that was part of the thinking behind the the project as well was to shift uh, where I wanted to be seen in the marketplace as well I now direct and that's pretty much all I do I'll, I'll do some editing as well of stuff that I've directed but it's it's much more about um, uh, perception you know that classic thing of how, how do people see you outside mm-hmm. it's very hard to be more than one thing mm-hmm. um, and so I just had to say make a call and go no this is what I want to be doing now and that's what I've been doing so uh, when somebody <coughs> bumps into you at a 
drinks party and says, what do you do, Magnus? I slightly embarrassingly say I make films. <laughs> and they go, oh, right, have I heard of any of this? Like, probably not. <laughs> I wish you had, and uh, if we had that marketing budget. <laughs> well, I hope more people will, will be hearing of, of you in the, in the near future. Yeah. And uh, to those listening to this, go in and watch Dark Sense. I'm sure you enjoy it. Yeah. Magnus, thank you very much. Not at all. Thank you very much. A fascinating glimpse into the life of a film director. And I'm hoping that Magnus does the zombie film next because I would love to be an extra. Thanks for listening and we'll be back in two weeks' time. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.